I've always been partial to stones. Whether it was the many small, sharp pieces of limestone that made up our driveway, the ones that caused you to wince with every step if you had to run in bare feet back to the house from the yard when the first flash of lightning signaled a sudden afternoon storm, or the smooth brown and silver rocks that lined the creek behind our home, the ones that revealed their true selves only when wet, with shimmering bands of quartz and ripples of emerald serpentine, only to retreat into ordinary dullness as they warmed in the sun. The largest stones were dug out of the ground and used by my father to line the flower beds around the house, stacked on top of one another long and flat and mostly gray. They held the earth in so the rhododendron and azaleas could take root. If you walked along that narrow wall, you could feel the stones give and slide beneath your feet, so you were told you had to be careful and that it probably wasn't a good idea and get down from there. The whole house I grew up in was made of stone. Old stones held in place with lime and horsehair. Two hundred years old by the time we moved in and in need of repair, those stones held the heat in the winter and kept things cool in the summer. I grew up being held and comforted by stones and their particular energies. And I've had wonderful times with stones of every size, from those worn smooth in caves underground to gemstones that hang around the neck as a pendant, to mighty boulders that stand like sentinels in otherwise empty fields, providing a place for rest, for contemplation, and for listening to the rushing wind racing through the late autumn grasses. Finding inspiration in nature, being attuned to certain sounds and being prone to wander, these are some of the things we're talking about this week when we follow the rocky forest trail that leads us to the not-so-secret realm of the deep night. Hello, I feel like I'm in a very meditative state. Maybe you are too. And you know what? That's okay. Let's lean into that space. Just uh, keep leaning, kind of teeter there. <laughs> it's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm holding you very close this week as your host, guide, and guru for this next hour of regrets and revelations we call the Deep Night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus, and recently, the Gowanese had some mysterious new additions to its rapidly gentrifying but still toxic landscape. A Gowanus cairn has appeared. Someone, or a group of someones, has been building small stacks of debris and detritus installed along the architecture of the canal, sneaking them onto the clean-up barges and on the splintered tops of tar-soaked pillars that mark the tides. The cairn I took note of is a precarious stack that begins with an NPR tote stuffed with waterlogged New York magazines. On top of that, three copies of Andrew Cuomo's book about COVID. Then a Brooklyn Nets yoga mat, a pile of SAG screeners of Meet the Ricardos, a Spectrum router, and it's all topped with a four-foot-long CVS receipt that flaps in the wind and is held in place by a hardened everything bagel bite from Dunkin' Donuts. It's as if some merry tricksters made a portrait of me out of trash. It's enchanting, but if I think about it, alarming. Like most things. Well, tonight on the program, we have such a special guest and a wonderful conversation for you. It's about nature and loss and taking things in and collaborating as a means of moving through it all. Maya Friedman is a multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, and singer whose voice conveys a deep well of warmth and wisdom. Maybe you know Maya from her work in Dirty Projectors or with the trio Coco, but she now has a brand new album out March 11th entitled Under the New Light. It's out from Last Gang Records. It's such a beautiful album, and Maya was so generous in talking with me about some of the themes that informed the making of the album and letting me in on her process. We talk about some familiar deep night subjects and make some new discoveries as well. Let's go now to my conversation with Maya Friedman. Maya Friedman, welcome to the Deep Night. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and how does this day find you? 
This day finds me well. Yes, well. Good. Well, a little, a little bit tired. Yes. <laughs> um, th- uh, there was a we had a leak in the ceiling last okay. night, and I woke up at like two thirty a.m. thinking there was a sound that I could have sworn was the sound of like ten mice chewing. Yes. And so I got up to investigate, and it was a pretty serious leak uh, in the kitchen. And so we were, I was, me and my partner were awake from three three to five a.m. dealing oh. with this leak and oh. opening up the wall, and it was a whole thing. Oh my goodness! Well, thank you for for rallying to be here. <laughs> yes, uh, of course. After a traumatic incident like that, um, it's interesting some of us ha- are trained like that to hear though for me it's those two sounds drips and and chewing and oh. that will get me out of a deep sleep that's yes that's amazing because i was just doing some research on my own affliction of being disturbed by <laughs> chewing <laughs> sounds and there's a name for it uh called oh shoot what is it called M- oh. Do you know the I don't name? have to put you on the spot. No, I don't know the name. I I know that it is also a thing with people. I I I don't I don't love hearing people uh, uh, chew. <laughs> <laughs> but but certainly in the middle of the night, if it's a rodent, I see. I see. I will wake up. But I have the other thing too. I don't know what it's called. I feel like it's a uh, an M word or something. But it's a uh, yeah. I don't I don't care for it. It I remember my mother eating a bagel with cream cheese and just, just driving me crazy. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. But the rodent chewing sound. I I, I got I got you. Yes. Now yeah. uh, I, we don't have to spend a lot of time on the leak, but <laughs> but <laughs> was it a uh, we got a pipe situation or we're talking about heavy snow? I don't know where you're located at the moment, but uh, we had some snow here in Brooklyn, and uh, uh, that is causing a little bit of seepage in some of our walls that I'm concerned about. Yeah, I think I'm also in Brooklyn, and I okay. think that that's that's actually what it seems to have been was snow filling up a pipe on the roof, and oh. I, unclear, unclear. We have to <laughs> do more investigating. Well, I hope it gets resolved, and that you're able to have some restful nights ahead. Uh, you would have thought that after hundreds of years they would have figured out the pipe snow uh, relationship, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> here we are. You would think. Now, after a day like or after an evening like that, um, is there anything like a morning ritual that you have uh, or even on a good day? (laughs) Is there a morning ritual that you have to sort of set things right or in this case, reset things and prepare you? Definitely. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm a member. Well, it's it's an uh, it's not really a membership sort of situation, but I have a morning workout group. Uh, yes. We join every morning at eight fifteen on Zoom to do a workout together. And the days that I do that that workout, I'm in much better spirits than when I skip it because I'm, you know, <laughs> talk myself out of it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, does it require special outfits? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> <Good. laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, the the standard. The standard uh, spandex outfit or sweatsuit, shorts. Yes, good, yeah. good. Well, I'm glad. I have my incense burning. I just finished a cup Ooh, of black coffee and I did nice. a quick two minute burst of meditation to get my humors moving. So <laughs> that's where we are. Uh, and I'm ready to get on with the day. Um, and uh, specifically, uh, talking to you, of course, I always marvel at my guests, not just for their talent, which of course is immense, but for their ability uh, to stay productive during a time that for me has been one of grief and retreat. Uh, but you've been uh, busy during these dark years, haven't you? Uh, is that your preferred mode to be engaged creatively, uh, sort of on multiple fronts? Yeah, I think that... Um remaining engaged creatively is my way of supporting my mental and emotional health (laughs) to be honest I mean this yes it has been a very dark dark two years and um I think 
continuing to put one foot in front of the other as far as creating and being creative is is sort of you know my own saving grace in a way yeah yeah it's really all we can do isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> but have you felt productive though it seems from the outside that you oh, are gosh. but I, I know better than to assume no to, no to be honest i felt horribly unproductive <laughs> um yeah i think I think, you know, I'm, well, I'm my own worst critic. So on a day when I check five things off my to-do list instead of all 10, I, I tend to beat myself up about it. But, um, are you a list maker? Is that how you structure some of the creativity? Yes. Yes, definitely. And other non-creative things on my list are often filled with things that are easily checked off too. (laughs) Right. Well, I would say my, my lists err on the side of like the more business administrative to-dos and the creative stuff. Yeah, I definitely don't have on my list, like, you know, spend two hours painting by the window. I should, though. That that should be the prioritized yeah, yeah maybe. item. But you also know that you, you want that to be a joyful thing and uh, not just something you're crossing off in a way. Of um, course. Although there can be joy in crossing things off, of course. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I too, find myself drawn to that. Just get, like, the basics of what I need to, if it's run to the post office or it's return a box of something, those things. Take out recycling. (laughs) I like to have those lists and then move on. Uh, uh, It can be very helpful. But uh, I also uh, appreciate that you seem to gravitate towards multiple kinds of of music making and music environments in which to to create from sort of group dynamics centered around maybe somebody else's vision to a collaborative trio to then your own solo and independent work. Um, How does it feel to have those things at play at once? Is that uh, that seems very natural? Yeah, I think that I've always, um, so before this album, which is my solo album that's that's coming out, um, I've tended to be in projects where I'm supporting someone else's creative vision, like in Dirty Projectors or in uh, former bands that I've been in. And with Coco, it's a very collaborative process. It's it's very equal and democratic. And Coco is the trio. Yes, exactly. Coco, Coco the band, yes. Coco is my band that I have with Danny Malad and Oliver Hill. And I think that collaboration well my, my solo record was was fully collaborative also collaboration is gives me joy and i think it's sometimes when i'm working all by myself it's it can be a little bit like i'm torturing myself because it's just me you know me against myself instead of i will see there you go i said me against myself um <laughs> instead of uh really like feeding feeding everyone else in the room yeah if, it's, if that uh, makes sense, it does. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'm oh, I'm always drawn to collaboration myself, which is why uh, even uh, uh, this is a better forum <laughs> than me just talking by myself, uh, because <laughs> I get so much out of uh, engaging with another person, and it's yeah. I, I like to have collaborations. It's not always easy. Uh, <laughs> Because you're dealing with somebody else, I know. and uh, uh, you, you got to be in sync, isn't it? It's so you have to nurture those relationships. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think with Coco, I feel very fortunate because Oliver, Danny, and I have a very natural. I think. Um dynamic together and I think that we all really trust one another's instincts and that comes from we've known one another for years and years and have worked together in various various forms and so I think we really knew and respected one another's work prior to starting this project so 
that's so important, and especially yeah. uh, how valuable to have that kind of uh, relationship and trust and collaboration that you can go to uh, during this time, um, yeah. because uh, it can be difficult to maintain relationships regardless of what's going on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but now Don't when we're physically it. separated, um, it's ve- very, very challenging. Um, but I'd like to ask you about the, the new album, uh, Under the New Light, uh, mm-hmm. which is coming out. Um, how did it come into the world? Was it something like a lightning strike or was <laughs> it one of these things where, uh, you know, you, you kind of uh, casually take a foraging class and then five years later you've got some spores growing in buckets <laughs> and you're making your own lion's mane dentures? Oh, man, I, I like that metaphor. Um, it this This record was more of a slow slow burn process um it started let's see when did it begin i think that these songs started to come into form as early as 2016 i think yeah um so i was working with tom dice and Peter Lalish, and we we wrote a lot of these songs collaboratively, start starting starting back then. So I would bring an idea to the table, and we would all arrange the song together, and and we rec- we started recording it in. <laughs> this is so long ago. It feels like so long ago. In I think it was 2017 in Omaha, Nebraska. We went to oh. a studio in Omaha and that's where the first session for this record was. And then basically between 2017 and 2019, we sort of uh, would we'd go to different places and work on it in little chunks. It was very piecemeal. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And any particular reason why Omaha? It's a, a <laughs> kind of an empty place. I know. I know it's true. There's a recording studio out there um, owned by Mike Mogus called, an, oh my gosh, Another Recording Company. Yeah, that's what it's called, Another Recording Company. It was a space that Danny... <laughs> a, dis- a distinct name in, I know. <laughs> in a I know. place where there's nothing else. All uh, due respect to Omar. I'm sure there's yes. actually, as I understand it, a thriving uh, kind of noise scene there, right? There's like a, uh, a lot of... Uh, music that's happening out there that's kind of at the uh, forefront of things yeah there is definitely a thriving community there i don't i don't know too much about it just because i only spent two weeks in this one studio sort of locked away but i think that there is a really beautiful community there i think you just have to go out and find it (laughs) (laughs) that's what i understand right right yeah but Danny had worked at this studio before, and we were trying to figure out where we wanted to go and to work on this music. And I think that we wanted to sort of go go away somewhere. And uh, he had a relationship with Mike Mogus, and we were able to use the studio. So That's a good place to go away. <laughs> so, <Mom. laughs> <laughs> very oh, flat uh, there's know, like a Sinclair station there and then no but there, there's something going on and, and an there's Arby's. probably some and there's some there's some wonderful history there and there's uh, probably some kind of feeling to it that uh, is captured uh, I think what comes across in the in the album is the sense that it did mature over time and that there's a real settled in in a, in a, a way that's very uh, the listener is embraced uh, mm. by the music. There's a, an invitation that I think you extend uh, mm. to the listener that's there, um, perhaps born from that long time forming it. Yeah, right. Lots of lives lived within the time of making the record. Yes, and something that's yeah. been allowed to uh, establish itself before being released into the wild. Mm. <laughs> something that knows what it wants to be. Right. I never thought of it like that, but that I appreciate that a lot. I think that that sort of hits it right on the nose. 
Yeah. Well, I, I keep coming back to uh, metaphors around nature and thing because I understand that nature is a big part of what inspired a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the track where the rocks are that mm-hmm. came from what a visit to Storm King or something. Yeah, I I love going to Storm King, which is a for, for those who may not know, it's a outdoor sculpture museum park. An outdoor yes. museum. Is that, is <laughs> Accurately that... <laughs> described. Nestled in the Shunamunk Mountains uh, up there, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that while this song was coming together, the imagery of Storm King just kept on appearing in my mind. And yeah, so that, that was definitely an inspiration. It was very evocative uh, to me, um, not knowing the Storm King side of it uh, mm-hmm. at first, but when I listened to it, there uh, I used to spend some summers in Vermont. And if mm-hmm. you would go on little walks into the woods, there was a, a wooded area, and then there would be a hidden field just beyond that the woods. And there would be a massive boulder in the middle of this field. And one could go and sit on top of that boulder, and you would be completely wow. alone out there in in the wilds. And uh, when you talk about where the rocks are, quite literally, that was oh. a place that I used to go to and, and contemplate uh, what was going on as a young boy. So it brought that memory right back to me. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I was so happy to have that. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. You know, I don't know how the boulders get there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, funny enough, it's it, it this song also appeared after watching Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, yes. Which which uh I mean, as far as not knowing how the boulders got there, that's there's a there's a connection there. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, uh, uh the mysterious nature is. I appreciate how I I, I like not knowing. <laughs> Whether it's aliens or not, I like not knowing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you talk about up uh, in Storm King. I like it up there. We'd like to spend some time up in Phoenicia, uh, Mm. there along the Esopus Creek. Do you ever do any uh, tubing down there? I've always wanted to. Well, I go up there. to. I have a bunch of friends who live in the area, and we have our little secret swimming spots in the Esopus. And I've never been tubing, and I really, really want to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's always too cold for me when I'm when I'm up there, but uh, yeah. I'd like to have it ha- happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had friends who have gone to to they they've gone in the uh, whole. Oh my gosh, Baltimore. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No. No. The state. Oh god, D- Delaware. No. Oh yeah, there's a river in Delaware. I know that that's not Baltimore. I'm getting really confused. There's a, there's a river that I have a bunch of friends that they go to Delaware to to swim a uh, tube tube in the to in do the river. Listen, I know bringing <laughs> any kind of water related thing is probably a little touchy right now with the leak. So uh, I, yes, I, I get I, it. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm 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 wordless. I don't know what to say. <laughs> you don't want to think about any more water. No, <laughs> I'm sorry for bringing us back there. <laughs> but uh, uh, speaking uh, of nature, though, and bringing back, um, you grew up in California. I did. Yeah. Now, uh, what I read is Sierra Nevada, uh, Nevada uh, uh, mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we talking about there? Because that could mean a great many things. It's either Fresno or this. What were we talking about? Some kind of hippie situation off the grid. <laughs> but where where do you fall in between those? <laughs> oh man, a little a little in between. Okay. Yeah. So I lived uh, in a town, well, just outside of a town called North Fork. Okay. Which the the slogan of the town on the the wooden entrance sign to the town says the ex- it's the exact center of California so the the very exact center dot of the state and it's about an hour northwest of Fresno so that was like that was the big city yeah uh, and North Fork is or it was a logging town and the the logging industry shut down. But the the reason that I lived there was because 
my parents in the 80s bought 40 acres of land from from a friend who owned a, a much larger piece of land who sort of subdivided these plots to, to offer to friends to buy. And uh, so my mom and I moved up there and we lived in a trailer. There's a little trailer on the land. Nice. And I had two dogs and four cats. And, and soon the four cats turned into 14 cats because <laughs> two of the cats had litters of five. Yeah. And it was paradise. I, I was... I w- let's see, I moved up there when I was about six or seven and lived there until I was nine or ten. And I think it was sort of my dream fantasy to just be in the wilderness, be able to just play outdoors all day. My mom would send me out. I would come home from school. She would send me out into the woods. I would just go way out into the woods with my two dogs who were border collies because they're they're very protective. So I had these two dogs and I had a whistle that you could it's a 2 mile whistle so you could hear hear the whistle for 2 miles. Wow. And so I would like bl- blow it every once in a while to let my mom know where I was. <laughs> and <laughs> have you ever used that whistle in any of the uh, compositions or anything? Have you ever brought that back? No, no, but I that would be interesting. I I should. Is it a, 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 a fond sound for you? No, no, it's it's horrible. It's it's very loud. Uh, well, yeah. you might have to be two miles away and <laughs> yes. record it or something. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. that uh, is. I, I I too used to be just set loose into the woods uh, to yeah. wander, to follow the creek wherever it may go, mm-hmm. to uh, walk over to a neighbor's house just through the woods, or to just be lost back there. And yeah. uh, as you say, for hours, one could be. <laughs> Just paying attention, uh, fascinating, um, and and it it speaks again to this connection of nature and California, mm-hmm. where nature is so uh, assertive. <laughs> it's yeah, very present. It Everybody's hiking or going on brunches uh, and then going hiking. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's yeah. very very much. There's no surprise then, perhaps, that you uh, are and take a lot of uh, are inspired by nature and take a lot of inspiration yeah. from nature. Yeah, no, where we lived was way in the wilderness it's it's very very remote so there was nowhere to brunch when when i was growing up there it was (laughs) we we made our own brunch but i didn't even know what the word brunch meant at at that point yeah well i only knew it once i moved to california (laughs) i don't think it had existed (laughs) they invented it i think in san francisco um (laughs) But what was the plan for young Maya uh, then? Uh, we haven't known each other uh, long, if at all. But I, I recognize a fellow seeker, uh, you know, as you're talking about exploring <laughs> and things, and uh, also an only child? Yes. Okay, there yes. we go. Yes, how did there you know? There it is. <laughs> same recognizes Isn't that same. Obvious? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, there's something to it about yeah. uh, one's curiosity level, I think. And ability to hold space. I think those two things. Mm. Yeah, I think that I really learned how to spend time alone and to really enjoy spending time alone. And I think that um, having the opportunity to, to dive into my imagination, because that's all there was to entertain me, really. Yes. Yeah, I definitely wished I had siblings and I still do. I I used to beg my parents to have more kids, but I was the only one. So yeah. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you have plenty of the pets around to, <laughs> uh, to keep. <laughs> yeah, four, 14 cats is that's, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of cats. <laughs> oh. But um there is I, I think a stillness um that uh happens for some of us and <laughs> with the only child uh, a lot um, mm. uh, and a, a controlled sort of way of moving through the world or one can have I mean everybody's different I guess but um, you're also a visual artist as well right mm. and 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 you it seems like 
you know, interested, again, following that curiosity, um, having some sense of self, but then saying, well, what about this? Here's a way to, to express something. What about this? Another way to the various avenues. Um, mm-hmm. So back to that initial question, what was the plan? Or was there one to, to pursue something over another? St- start, you mean starting from when... As a young child, yeah. what what you what you thought was going to happen right. <laughs> was it just that I would live creatively in this world, or was right. there some other uh, track yeah. that you were thinking about? I think that when I was younger, when I was younger, I I really wanted to be a musician. I didn't think that it was possible, though. I think I had this sort of fantasy of what being a rock star meant. Like, I just, I wanted to be a a rock star. I I didn't even really know what that entailed. Um, But I went through lots of different paths. I played music for a while and then I quit I quit music for a couple of years I had a there I was in a band that had a really traumatic breakup and well this this was in 2011 so this one I was a little bit older but um I swore off music I started working in a tattoo shop I wanted to be a tattooist I did that for a couple of years I quit. (laughs) I started working as a personal chef. So I got really into food and cooking. And I've I've worked on farms and done lots of different things. And I think it was when I was cooking that my my interest for music started to reappear. And that's that I think that must have been in 2000. 14 or 15 that I decided to recommit myself to playing music and painting and visual art has has always been always been a part of my life I think that that ever since I was a kid that was sort of one of the ways that I could go deeper into myself and process my experiences I think I use it as as sort of a self-therapy a little bit yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, were, were those other uh, practices that you were involved in with the tattoo, of course, both the tattoo and uh, uh, cooking, both require a steady hand <laughs> and true. a sense of calm to make it through that. Yeah. But were those, did you find that uh, those pursuits were healing? Uh, was it a, a move to, to uh, heal from the trauma of the breakup that happened? And did it sounds like it was effective <laughs> if it was being used that way or were you not even aware of that as a uh, uh, hmm. was it a pullback uh, to, yeah. to I don't know I think yeah of course it was it yeah. of course it was because I ended up returning to music I think I think that both are very creative also I mean well tattooing obviously very creative and cooking as well I think cooking for me is something that I can do I like I, I have full confidence in myself when I'm cooking I think I I grew up cooking a lot so it's just sort of I can chop and slice and it's very controlled I can yeah. do it cook, cook intuitively but I can also follow recipes and it's it's just very clear and I think that that allowed me to sort of take a step back in a way to like let let myself settle back into my into myself or something like that. Yes, I really appreciate the uh, tension that seems to exist for you between the sort of unbridled chaotic maybe <laughs> surroundings and yeah. the uh, to-do list ordered controlled. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. Those uh, two seem very active for you and uh, probably uh, can be productive at times, which 
Oh gosh, it can be productive and like at war with with one another. Sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not saying productive is always the goal. Uh, that's uh, yeah. you know that's not always the highest place we can achieve. Um, as a visual person, um, do you see music before you hear it, or does it always uh, come out as uh, sound? Hmm. I don't. Well, I definitely don't have synesthesia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I realize it's kind of a weird question, but no, uh, no. I'm always driven by the image myself. And so I yeah. was just curious uh, because the visual part is so active for you. Right. Um, if there was one that was sort of more present than the other. I think that when I'm writing music, it, it, just, it just sort of appears almost like I'm, I mean, no, I'm sorry. I don't want to misrepresent myself. Sometimes I I, I I labor over just coming up with a single, you know, melody line, but I think it's it's usually the the music that comes first, and it's always just it comes from improvisation. So I'll be sitting with the guitar and just trying to find some new shapes and the song will slowly appear. And I think that it's when I'm working on lyrics, which is definitely, that that's the more difficult part for me is lyric writing. I think that's when I try to let my visualizations guide guide the, the, the writing process. So yeah, I think in that way, visual, you know, visual elements help me help me write lyrics. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I, I could see how that <laughs> because I get so caught up when the words uh, come into play. Yeah. Uh, not even just to, uh, um, what they look like, what the rhythm of them is. Sometimes you just it's an instinctual kind of thing when writing, um, mm. but you just know that oh, this needs an extra syllable for this to actually. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Feel correct. And of course, with songwriting, those syllables are very important if they have to match up with True. whatever's happening. Yeah. Um, somewhere I saw the phrase sonic empathy put forward uh, mm. in relationship to your music and uh, specifically with this album. And I like that very mm. much. <laughs> and I think that speaks to what I was saying earlier, that invitation uh, for the listener. And you yeah. provide that both with the with the songs and just with the quality of your voice, uh, which is so um, distinctly warm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah. does create this kind of space. Um, how active is that for you, that sonic empathy, uh, when thinking through it? Or is it something you look back on and say, oh, yes, I see, I've achieved that? Yeah. Hmm. I think that when, I mean, when I think about my intention with music, I think it's always to hopefully provide some kind of healing, comfort, or provide a some kind of connection where it can help people access their own emotional experiences, which I think is very, I mean, can be very healing or very, you know, painful or... or different for everybody um and i think about my own experience over the course of writing and recording this record i went through a very painful breakup and like, while i was making this record and and i moved and i joined a band and i left a band and there were there were so many emotional ups and downs for a while I was actually worried <laughs> it, it was sort of like uh, like the book like water for chocolate where the the protagonist she would be cooking and if she was crying while she was cooking and a tear fell into the food the people who would eat the food would then start to cry or if she was angry and a, a, a drop of sweat dropped in, that the 
consumers of the food would burst into a, a fight with one another. Right. So I, I had this fear that the listeners of the record, like if I recorded a, a vocal when I was angry or if I was sad, that that would somehow translate into the listener's experience of the music. And I was, I was like, I was, wor- I was actually worried about that. And I remember coming to a place where I felt settled and comfortable with the fact that that maybe the the greater power is in completing a full cycle of emotion so beginning the beginning a song when i was in pain or angry or upset and then finishing it when i was healed that that somehow that energetic cycle would that would translate in, into a more whole healing experience or something like that. So I definitely think of all these these sort of energetic ideas, you know, what went into the, the record. Yeah, and it's certainly not something you can rush. So no. uh, uh, that's, again, contributing to the kind of slowness of it yeah. um, in its creation and, and, and forming. Um, well, it sounds like you're hitting on one idea that I've been trying to explore this whole season, which is around mm. um, th- this, th- that we're all kind of death adjacent. And, and that means various things, right? It can mean yeah. a breakup or it can mean um, having a close call <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> while sledding or tubing. <laughs> um, uh, and it can mean many different things. Um, and I wonder if you, it sounds like that's related to maybe this this breakup for you might be most active mm. as a recent thing, but I wondered if you if you had other positions around that or any other feelings around that uh, of late, um, mm. and it can be a, even a haunting, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It can be a yeah. positive. Of course, endings and visitations can be positive too. But right. I'm just uh, I'm asking because of uh, the own my own loss that I'm going through now and trying mm. to navigate that, um, mm. and so I was interested to. Uh, to pose that question to my propose whatever I don't even know if that's a question (laughs) but an idea a concept to the guest to see how it's affecting them right I think about this all the time actually I think well I think about the I think about the 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 well the uh, archetype of the phoenix, hmm. you know, the, the phoenix rising from the ashes, which, which is, is cyclical, you know, it's, it's like this cycle of death and rebirth. I think about that a lot. And, and I think that I've experienced that in my life a lot with, I, I mean, within my own experience of, of, of death and rebirth re remaking myself in a way um it's it's funny lately actually although it's it's subdued a little bit but or subsided uh is what i meant to say um i've uh i've i've actually been kind of obsessively contemplating my own death (laughs) um and I've I've always thought a lot about this. I'm a Scorpio. I think that's very normal for Scorpios to maybe uh, inhabit this this you know other um, spiritual curiosity place. But um, I was thinking really seriously about the the sort of potential to die oh god this is dark <laughs> to die yes and and for there to to be not for there to be nothing n- nothingness after and i think the the fear and panic that would come up in me was in response to the the potential for nothingness and what what that means as a, you know, we're we're humans. Our brains are very active. We have conscious understanding of what's happening around us, and for there to to then be nothing is a very scary idea. And for me personally, 
Yes. Anyway. Not, not uncommon either. A lot of people, <laughs> right. that's the thing that comes up yeah. is that, yeah. is that com- nothingness is the fear, even beyond right. the actual the death thing, which we, exactly again, can't control it or will, will happen. Yeah. And I watched um, a bunch of friends were recommending this, this documentary about mushrooms called, yes. what, what is it called? The Fantastic Fungi. Yes, one? thank yes. you. Fantastic Fungi. And so I was I was watching this movie. And there was something in this movie that actually gave me a very comforting sort of um, um oh god it's the word this is happening to me so much lately i think this is pandemic related that <laughs> i'm i'm missing words because yeah. my brain isn't being engaged as much <laughs> oh solution maybe a solution is the word i don't know but but i th- there was some so in in this documentary they talk about how the the mycelium network in the ground is 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 interconnected deeper and wider than we could imagine the trees are communicating through you know with with the mushrooms through the mushrooms to other trees and i was thinking that if if when i this is okay i mean you asked this is i'm I'm giving you my real answer as a libra i completely support uh you you entertaining many notions at once so uh Uh yes and so if if when I die, I could be put in the ground so and then and then be turned into be decomposed by mushrooms. Yes. And then I could become a part of the mycelium network, which would mean that I would be even more interconnected than I am right now, probably. And so there's something, I mean, you know, this this is talking about actual literal death. There's something that was like just very comforting in in thinking about about that potential outcome, which has eased my my anxiety about about death. <laughs> Maya, I'm so glad you found that film and you found that message oh, out of it because that's what I found you. with it too. And, really? and I've talked about uh, not just that film, but the. the um, uh, the Entangled Life uh, that uh, Merlin Sheldrake uh, oh, uh, wrote. It's uh, dense. <laughs> the movie yeah. is a little bit uh, right. easier uh, to get into, I would say. Yeah. But uh, just that is the message. And, yeah. and I think uh, I'm so optimistic when I read about mushrooms. And yeah. uh, years ago, I met a woman. I sat down next to her, and I said, and she's an artist. I said, what do you do? She said, well, I'm designing a mushroom death suit. And oh, that's yeah. exactly for that purpose. I've heard of and this. Yes, uh, she's wonderful. Uh, I have uh, her name escapes me in the same pandemic fog uh, yeah. at the moment but uh, i think working out in california has a lot of backers and everything so that right. is possible in a very practical right. way <laughs> and anything right. you can do uh, do to avoid the upselling that happens within the funeral market uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> i encourage right. you to do but yeah that is a be- is a beautiful thing to have extracted from that movie, uh, for that film, and uh, from the actual workings of the universe, and to be a part of it. It's so much smarter. And you know what? This mm-hmm. planet is theirs, not ours. Right. Uh, <laughs> none of us yeah. would exist without them. Every plant <laughs> you see is an is a collaboration uh, yeah. between the uh, mycelium and the mycorrhizal networks. Right. It is intense and there's so much more we have to learn from it so if we can find some comfort from that as well as in music uh, (laughs) i think it's uh uh, really wonderful um and uh the phoenix i appreciate that too um and to to pursue it to do the full cycle yeah is really there's a lot of cycles in the album uh too even from the where the rocks are in the video at least you kind of return to a you start one place and then return to a more invisible place Mm. uh a lot of uh, moving uh forward through it Mm. back start again um i find that all very uh 
beautiful and apt for the times that we're in where there are so many times where we feel like we're starting. We've mm. moved past it and here we are back again. And hopefully yeah. we're changed through that process. I, I, <laughs> I hope it's not always coming right back to the beginning. Oh, uh, I don't too. know if the phoenix <laughs> attains any wisdom on their journey or not, but uh, I would like to hope that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, there is something. I think that in... You know, I mean, thinking about this this phoenix cycle, in the in the the death process part of the cycle, I I guess I think about that. I mean, and this definitely applies to my own my own sort of like mental emotional health cycle, my creative cycle, the the fallow period. You know, when the 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 phoenix is is ash, it's burnt. That's the period where all of the new, that's where, where the gestation happens. All the new, the, the energy is collected, the, the unconscious is percolating. It's where you sort of recuperate your energy to build something new. So, yeah, I, I think about that a lot also. And I imagine as a, person with an album coming out you have uh i don't know exactly how it is for musicians but you mm. arrive at a certain point where the album is complete and okay but now <laughs> uh <laughs> you're going to tour and you're going to uh, oh. you know play these songs and, and yeah. talk about these songs and investigate these songs now for mm. however <laughs> long mm. uh, uh so it's a I don't know where exactly you are within that stage related to the album, um, but uh, I, I imagine there's still a lot of, there's so much more life to be participating in with it, uh, even though the process so. of making it is complete. Yeah, I know. I hope that that's true. I think, I think with me, well, my experience of making a record setting it all up for release. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. And I've thought a lot about th this, like, image of someone pushing a big boulder up a hill, and it, it's, it's so heavy, and you push and push. And, and I think that I, in, in thinking about the release of a record, that it, instead of, like, well, I, I would think of it as just continually trying to push the boulder up the hill, even after the record was released. But I was talking to a friend about this, uh, and he suggested that the, the, the writing, the recording, the setup was pushing it to the top. And with the release, you just, you flick the boulder over the edge, or you, you push it so that it starts its descent. And then you, you can't control the path that it that it goes on you just have to watch to see where it rolls and i think that something about that is comforting for me to to, to let go of the control you know yes. at least <laughs> uh, i bet it's comforting to you yeah, yeah. you've got all of your uh, controlled aspects done and then you can uh, let the um, uh, let it happen let the yeah. chaos happen let the life happen exactly uh, that's great um well, it's a beautiful album. I, I'm sure there's lots of life left to it, and I hope you can enjoy that uh, ping <laughs> flick to release yeah. it. Um, uh, certainly more than that, I imagine. Um, but it's it's really beautiful, and there, uh, we only talk about a couple of the tracks, but I could go in depth. There's so many uh, wonderful moments throughout, and oh, um, I'm sure it will you. reward the listener. Thank you for making it. Um, <laughs> Thank you for nurturing it and, and uh, getting it into the world. And um, thank you for uh, getting up after a difficult evening and talking about <laughs> your own demise uh, <laughs> and, and what that means. It's my pleasure. <laughs> yes, well, it's been really uh, wonderful. And uh, the album comes out when? Uh, yes, the album is out March 11th. March 11th. And yeah. will you be doing some touring for it? Will you be going out there? Oh, gosh, I hope so. I have a, I have a show, an album release show in Brooklyn, March 18th. Uh, that'll be at Brooklyn Made. I had a big tour planned. Well, I was going to be opening 
Uh, it was going to be all February and, and half of March, but it was sadly canceled. So, ah. so that it's, it's, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what, where the boulder go, uh, goes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Rolls. Uh, yeah. But, but for now, this, this one show, March 18th. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's put all our energy in one thing, one step at a time. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. right. Um, Maya, thank you so much uh, for for joining me uh, again. Thank you for the great work, and uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Yeah. Well, there you have it. A wonderful guest, Maya Friedman. Ah, the depth, the openness, the generosity of spirit. Truly enjoyed meeting her, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. Maya's new album is out now, so go download it, stream it, buy it, buy it on vinyl if you can. We'll listen to a track after this, and then we'll roll the credits. Be sure to look out for Maya either solo or with Coco as they start traveling and playing gigs around town and around the country once again. That will do it for us this week. Remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. But first, to ease you into another week, a track from Maya Friedman. This is Where the Rocks Are.
Deep Night with Dale is independently produced, written, and performed by James Bewley. Season 14 artwork by M.K. Cummins. Season 14 theme features lyrics and vocals by Kylie Lotz, music by Austin Lotz, and mixing by Zach Robbins. It's never too late to give Dale a positive review while hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts. But you can also tune in to Dale's Frequency on Stitcher, Podchaser, SoundCloud, and Spotify, wherever you are. Dale's right there with you. To get in touch with mindfulness tips, positive reinforcement, or just to say hello, email Dale directly at daleradio at gmail.com. Be sure to follow him on Instagram by looking up at Dale Seaver. From our being to yours, thank you for visiting The Deep Night.